0: subject, God's chariot of fire, the totally surrendered life of missionary Eric Little and the race that he ran. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 3. I'm going to read it first in the ESV and then I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation because I like just the way uh, they paraphrase a couple of phrases there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by So great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Notice the last phrase of verse 1 is picked up again there in verse 2, indicating to us that our Savior also ran in a race. So who for the joy that was set before him endured, there's the second occurrence of that word, by the way. We'll see it a third time in verse 3. So the idea of endurance, of steadfastness, of perseverance uh, is just permeating all three of these verses. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Psalm 2 and Psalm 110 language uh, right there. Verse 3, the only imperative in the text. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And then hear how the New Living Translation says it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, uh, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people then, You won't become weary and give up. Eric Little was a M.K. He was born in China to missionary parents, and he would also die in the same country. And yet his faithful service as a missionary is often eclipsed by the fact that he was an extraordinarily gifted athlete, especially in the area of rugby and also in racing. In fact, he won the gold medal. In the 1924 Olympics in Paris, setting a world and Olympic record in the 400 meter. And of course, his life has been made famous in the movie Chariots of Fire. It came out in 1982. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards and actually won four, including Best Picture. And so people remember him for the fact that he won the Olympic uh, race. They remember him for the fact that he would not run on Sunday because of particular convictions that he had about honoring that particular day. And yet eclipsed in all of this is the fact that this was a man absolutely sold out completely and whose life was fully surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's so much more that we can say about a man whose life was cut short uh, all too quickly. He would die in a Japanese internment camp at the age of 43 from an inoperable brain tumor. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the Christian life in terms of athletic metaphors. Sometimes, for example, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says the Christian life can be compared to a, a boxing match. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says the Christian life can be compared to wrestling. But a number of times in the Bible, including this particular text, the Bible says the Christian life can be compared to a race. And because the word endurance dominates these three verses, I'm quite convinced that he had in mind, the author of Hebrews, not a, not a sprinter's race, not even an intermediate race, but I think he had in mind a a long distance race. In fact, if the Bible were being written today, it might have been the case that he would have actually used the phrase the marathon, a 26-mile 385 yard race. It is the longest race run in the Olympics. And so what the Bible is saying to us this morning is that when God calls you to himself through Jesus, he also places you in a race. And it's not a sprinter's race, it is a long distance race. And so if you and I are going to run this race well, we need to have a strategy. Uh, We need to have a game plan if we're going to hear from our Lord, as Matthew 25 says, well done, my good and faithful servant. This morning, I'm going to share from this text three ideas that I think give us uh, an understanding of how it is that we can run well in this race. And I'm going to use the life uh, and the writings. He didn't write a lot, but he did write some. The, The life and writings of Eric Little, who hopefully can be an encouragement to us and inspire us. After all, Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with men and women who are in God's hall of faith. And I suspect that Eric Little now also occupies a place in God's hall of faith as well. In fact, Eric Little, when he uh, thought about the essence of his Christian life, I think drew from Hebrews chapter 12 on more than one occasion. In fact, he said this as we prepare to go to our text. Jesus' life is the most beautiful life there has ever been. They, the disciples, failed him at his death But with the resurrection and Pentecost, they awoke to the meaning of the message he had been trying to give them, and they went out, and they conquered the world. Well, I believe that assignment to go out and conquer the world is still ours today, and it's put in the context of running a race for the glory of God. And so how is it that you and I can, like Eric Little, like the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, how is it that we can run the race, run the race well, and uh, cross the finish line. Note, first of all, we need to find encouragement as we run. Verse 1 begins, Therefore, the therefore is therefore a reason. It is looking back to chapter 11 and these great men and women of faith. Therefore, since we, the author includes himself to those that he is writing to, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He uses the imagery of a coliseum of a stadium. Uh, the stands, uh, grandstands are filled to capacity, and there we are. We're down on the race, and we together are running for the Lord Jesus Christ. This, by the way, reminds us there is no place in the Christian life uh, for a Lone Ranger. Uh, The fact of the matter is, uh, I need you, and whether you believe or not, you need me. We need each other, and uh, we need each other to encourage us as we move forward together in this race. In fact, the text indicates that if we don't, we can lose heart, verse 3, and we might even consider dropping out of the race. And so God gives us heroes of the faith, heroes in the faith, To be a source of encouragement and motivation to stay and to run. Now, a good question to ask is, who were the heroes that motivated Eric Little to run the race that he ran so well? It's really quite simple. His parents. Eric Little was the man that he was because of his dad and his mom. He was born in China in 1902 to missionary parents. Uh, Both his dad, James, and his mother, Mary. They were strongly evangelical in their convictions, and they served under the London Missionary Society and would be there for most of their life in China. Uh, They would serve, by the way, during very turbulent and very dangerous times. In fact, they would be on the field during what uh, historians know as the Boxer Rebellion. During the Boxer Rebellion, where the Chinese people rose up in protest and revolution against uh, the, what they felt uh, the encroaching Western influences, more than 200 missionaries would be murdered in a matter of months. In fact, James uh, Little would serve in an area where during a few months period of time, 80 churches were destroyed and hundreds, in fact, perhaps thousands of Chinese Christians were brutally murdered. Uh, Others were coming back. Others were leaving China. And yet he said, we will not leave. And in fact, his father said, writing to the London Missionary Society, I would gladly undertake the duties of a real pioneer situation in other words he said put me out there where these churches are being burned where believers are being killed and I will stay there and I will serve faithfully my Lord Jesus Christ there's no doubt this made a massive impact upon the life of his son Eric in fact D.P. Thompson who was his closest friend and would be the first biographer of Eric Little said this when he spoke at his death what was his secret What was it that made him the man that he was? Here is the answer. It was, first of all, the home from which he came. No one who knew Little's father and mother, no one who had been a guest in their home, who had sensed its atmosphere and its outlook and had become aware of the spirit which permeated it could be in any doubt about that. Home was the first great formative influence in the making and the shaping of Eric Little. As it is with so many, it was there that he got both his ideals and his inspiration. Of course, many of us know Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Do we not train up a child in the way he should go? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This was true of Eric Little. And clearly, he was bitten by the missionary bug in the home in which God allowed him to be raised. In fact, in 1932... After his first missionary furlough, he was interviewed by a Canadian journalist named R.E. Knowles. Uh, Knowles was fascinated by the fact that Eric Little had set the Olympic record and the world record in 1924. Many people, given his age, said, well, you'll certainly come back for the uh, 1928 Olympic and perhaps even the 1932 Olympic. And he walked away from all of that and returned to the mission field. And so while he was back on one of his furloughs, this uh, R.E. Knowles said, and I quote, Are you glad you gave your life to missionary work? Don't you miss the limelight, the rush, the frenzy, the cheers, the rich red wine of victory? And Eric's reply was very gracious, but to the point. Oh, well, of course, it's natural for a chap. Remember, he's a Scotsman. I will not try to imitate that. That would be very embarrassing uh, this morning. But, oh, well, of course, it's natural for a chap to think over all that sometimes. But I'm glad I'm in the work I'm engaging in. A fellow's life counts for more at this than the other. Not a corruptible crown, but an incorruptible, you know, So Eric Little, though a world-renowned athlete, the hero of Scotland, following his Olympic win in 1924 with just a little over a year, would be back on the mission field serving where he had learned to serve from his parents, living there and also dying there. David Guest said it perhaps best, Eric Little, rugby international and Olympic gold medalist, universally admired for his high character, happy humor, and for his Christianity, brushed fame calmly aside to return as a missionary to China where he had been born. In other words, fame and fortune did not motivate him, but surrender and obedience to the lordship of Christ and the will of God did, something again he saw so clearly in his parents. Parents. Never underestimate the example that you are setting for your children. Indeed, what your children will become is often more caught than taught. And by the life that you live and by the priorities you establish, you will be impacting and shaping their lives. How often it is that our children walk in our footsteps, especially in the areas where we encourage them, you may actually have in your home right now, moms and dads, the making of a champion Not necessarily for the Olympics, but a champion for Christ. And so find encouragement as you run. Number two, focus on the essentials as you run. I believe there are three of them that the author gives us in verse 1. He says that we are, number one, to lay aside every weight. Secondly, the sin which clings so closely. And then thirdly, he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. On any kind of race, we have to be trained, and we have to have a strategy. And in particular, in this kind of race, we need to persevere, and we need to be trained to persevere. We need to be trained to continually to run well, and to run well, and to run well, also knowing that it will be some time, perhaps, before we will finish the race that God has given us. Again, Eric Little sets such a wonderful example here. This man that was called the Flying Scotsman, was a a decent student, but he was an incredible athlete. But, and the movie Church of Fire is accurate in this regard, he was very quiet, Uh, he was very shy. Had he been visiting this uh, worship service today, most likely he would have quietly come in, moved to the side, sat down, not said a word, not made any fanfare. He really enjoyed just kind of blending into the background, and yet God had a different purpose for him. Uh, it was very clear that he was beginning to excel in athletics. And so, again, his close friend, D.B. Thompson, approached him and said, Would you like to come with me to an evangelistic crusade and and simply share your testimony? He immediately said no. But Thompson kept pressing and pressing and pressing. And finally, he agreed reluctantly to go and be a part of an evangelistic rally in April of 1923. He was second-guessing his decision All the way up until the day that they were to leave. But in that day, in God's providence, he received a letter from his sister who was living in China. Now, if you've seen the movie very quickly, in the movie, uh, it is portrayed that his sister uh, gave him a hard time about running. And that she pressed upon him the fact that uh, missionary work was far more important than running. By the way, he agreed with that. But that is absolutely inaccurate. His sister was one of his biggest fans. His sister was in his corner every step of the way. And the fact is, back during that particular time, it was very common for boys in particular to be sent back to their home country in boarding school. So Eric Little, at about the age of seven, was returned to Scotland, and he would stay in Scotland until he would leave to be a missionary in his early 20s. In fact, his parents would come home for their seven year sabbatical. So imagine this they saw their son uh, and left him when he was about seven, they saw him again when he was 14, and they saw him again. In his early 20s. I'm glad we don't do it that way anymore. But his sister was on the mission field. And Jenny mailed him a letter. That providentially showed up. The very day that he was to go up and speak. And at the end of her letter. She simply put this scripture. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And God used that letter from his sister to give him strength and encouragement to press on and to become what God wanted him to be. And even though he was a shy man, even though he was very soft-spoken, he became a very effective uh, proclaimer of the gospel, not because he was a great orator, But because he was such a gracious, humble man, people would come and listen to what he would have to say. And so he laid aside the weight of fear. He placed his trust in God and God alone. And from that point on, He would willingly speak of Christ whenever and wherever he was invited. It did not matter if it was 50, 500, or 5,000. He would gladly go and speak for the Savior that had saved him. In fact, what I want you to understand in terms of application is this. Eric Little came to a fork in the road, which we all come to forks in the road again and again and again. And he could choose to say, no, uh, this is not who I am Uh, This is not how I'm gifted, no. Uh, I will not speak publicly. I will not speak in situations like that. And his life would have gone in this kind of direction. Instead, even though he was shy, even though he was um, a a very quiet-spoken man, even though this was not his gift, he was not gifted with great oratory. He said, it seems to be this is where God wants me to go. And so his life went off in this kind of of direction and God used him in an incredible way. In fact, he very clearly, as he would look back later, uh, realized that he had come to that fork in the road and that God had led him in the path that he was to go, and it changed his life forever. In fact, he called it the turning point. And in his diary, he would say this, I was brought up in a Christian home where the stories of the Bible were often told and became familiar to me. In school, the stories of the Bible and the teachings of Christ were placed before me. The beauty of the Christian life began to appeal to me. But then the time came when the appeal of Christ became more personal, and I began to realize that it was going to affect my life. In this experience of Christ, there was a sense of sin, but that was not nearly so great as the sense of being called to do a piece of work For which I was absolutely unqualified. I like that. Because the fact of the matter is, any work that he's called any of us to this morning, we're unqualified for it. I don't care how how smart you are or how gifted you are uh, in terms of your oratory. The fact is, we're all unqualified for the great work that he will place upon us. And yet by his strength and by his grace, we are capable of doing it. And so Eric Little would say, my whole life that has been one of keeping out of public duties... But the leading of Christ seemed now to be in the opposite direction. I shrank from going forward. At this time, though, I finally decided to put it all on Christ. After all, listen, after all, if he called me to do it, then he would have to supply the necessary power. In going forward, the power was given me. All these experiences have given me fresh visions of our Lord. In other words, obedience was the road that led him to understand in an even greater way how faithful, how awesome is our God. Now, there are three lessons then that we see as we run this race in terms of essentials. First of all, you got to lay aside every weight. You got to run cleanly Secondly, you've got to lay aside the sin which trips us up. Uh, I believe that means you've got to run with confidence. And then finally, as we see, the dominating word of these three verses is endurance. So you've got to run the race consistently. So, so run it cleanly, uh, run it confidently, and run it with consistency. Let's, quick observation from those. Let us, let us lay aside every weight put away excess baggage, get rid of anything that would, that would weigh you down and slow you down and keep you from running well for Jesus. Uh, in his one book on the disciplines of the spiritual life, uh, Eric Little said every day, every day, we should ask ourselves four questions. In my notes, I call it the ouch test because it was very painful when I read this. But every day he said, I, I ask myself these four questions. Number one, am I truthful? Number two, am I honest? Number three, am I pure? And number four, am I selfish? And every day he would ask himself those four questions. Am I truthful? Am I honest? Am I pure? And am I selfish? And he knew that these were issues that had to be dealt with or weights would slip into his life and keep him from running his best. But he saw some other weights that he felt were often a hindrance to the gospel. In particular, he saw the weight of prejudice. And in fact, he made this statement in his discipleship book, I believe it is God's will that the whole world should be without any barriers of race, color, class, or anything else that breaks the spirit of fellowship. He saw the potential weight of distraction. Every Christian, quote, should live a God-guided life. If you are not guided by God, you will be guided by someone or something else. He understood the weight of accepting the lordship of Christ, something many of us want to kick to the curb and push aside, quote, To speak of Jesus as Lord means that I give him the control of my will. I say, Lord Jesus, meaning Jesus is now Lord of my life, to lead and dictate my greatest joy then is just to do what pleases him. And so he understood the necessity of getting rid of and putting away any kind of weights as we run the race cleanly. But also, we have to run the race with confidence. Now, I'm making an interpretive decision here. If you look again at your Bible, the ESV makes a mistake here. It left out the definite article, the, before the word sin. It's in the Greek text. So it should be translated as the New Living Translation and the New King James. And virtually every other translation gets it. I don't know why the ESV did it. The ESV did it this way. But it is the sin, the sin, which so easily clings or so easily entangles or so easily trips us up. Now, my interpretive decision is this. The sin, which is like an octopus in the Christian life, is the sin of unbelief. You say, whoa, 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 Danny, you think a Christian can be guilty of unbelief? I think most Christians are guilty of unbelief. I know that I am. Because you see, unbelief is what I call the Jesus plus trap. The the Jesus plus trap, which which simply means this for me for me to stay in the race. We'll stick with our imagery for me to stay in the race, uh, for me to run well and even finish. I, I I need Jesus plus. And once you add anything after that plus sign, it really doesn't matter what you put there. You now live in the world of unbelief. I need Jesus plus my health, unbelief. I need Jesus plus my job, unbelief. I need Jesus plus my family, my mate, you add anything to Jesus and you've stepped into the Jesus plus trap of unbelief. We need to be more like Job. In chapter 13 and verse 15 of the book that bears his name said, speaking of God, though he slay me, I will still trust in him. Eric Little spoke uh, many times about what he called the two ways of life. One was life lived by the law that he said cannot change us, and the other was the life lived by faith where righteousness comes by grace on God's side and by trust and confidence in Christ on our side. And he would speak very often. In fact, there are two themes that dominated his life. One was the surrendered life and the other was the victorious life. And he saw both of them coming together and a radical confidence and a radical faith in Christ. In fact, he said, the victorious life, quote, it comes by a practical confidence in God and acting on the promises he has given us. Again, it comes by just practical, everyday confidence in God and acting on the promises he has given us. Now, a good question would be, are, are Eric, in your own life, What were the keys that allowed you to have this practical confidence in God's life? In his discipleship journal, he said, well, there are four of them. Number one, keep your eyes off of yourself and on your Savior. Sounds like Hebrews 12 too, doesn't it? Secondly, keep your eyes off of yourself and put them on God's strength. Uh, Thirdly, fear comes by looking at oneself or others instead of looking at Jesus. And finally, to believe means to act on what is in your heart that you know is right. Faith acts, victory follows. What a great statement. Faith acts, victory follows. So the bottom line, trust absolutely. Remember, God simply asked for faithfulness, and victory then will follow. So he says, you've got to run the race cleanly, no excess baggage. You've got to run the race in confidence, a radical faith and trust in Christ. But then thirdly, you've got to run with consistency. Let us run with endurance, with patience, with with steadfastness, the race that is set before us. You know, the Bible is pretty clear. God is not calling us to be lone rangers. And God also is not impressed with shooting star Christians. Oh, he's not impressed with those who burn bright for a night and then vanish into the midnight darkness. No, no. God's impressed with those who, who just keep on running and keep on running and keep on running and keep on running. Those who run with perseverance. Now, again, if you look at the life of Eric Little and you were to ask, well, what was the key that allowed him to run the race well to the very end? It would be the phrase radical surrender. In fact, as I'll share in just a moment, the very last word that left his mouth before he would lapse into a coma and die from a brain tumor was the word surrender. It's all about surrender. And so Eric Little would talk about the fact that as we surrender to the lordship of Christ and as we surrender day by day, God is faithful to reveal his will to us. Quote, God's will is only revealed to us step by step. Race by race by race by race. He reveals more as we obey what we know. Surrender means that we are prepared to follow His will step by step as it is revealed to us no matter what. And so Eric Little said, you want to stay in the race today and, and in the race tomorrow and in the race next week and in the race next week? Then just remember that as we obey, As we radically surrender, God is faithful to show us His will. So we find encouragement as we run. We focus on the essentials as we run. And then finally, we follow the example as we run. And of course, we're given the most magnificent example of all in verse 2 and verse 3. We're given the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read three biographies on Eric Little. And if anything stands out in his life, it is this. This man radically and passionately loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in his discipleship journal, he would say, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, as my example, as my Lord, and as my Savior. By the way, example, Lord, and Savior are all found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. But then listen to what he said again in the disciplines of the Christian life. Quote, now listen, have a great aim Have a high standard. Make Jesus your ideal. Be be like him in character. Be like him in outlook. Be like him in attitude towards God and man. Make him an ideal. Not to be merely admired, but also to be followed. But, Eric Little would say, as this text says, it's not enough just to have him as your example. Oh, you need more than that, and so he would add in disciplines of the Christian life. I find I need more than an ideal. I need a Savior. I need a Savior to save me from the guilt of sin, to save me from the power of sin. I need a Savior whose grace is sufficient to enable me to live a life of unselfish service and love. And so Eric Little would draw from Hebrews chapter 12, and he would say, well, if you look at verse 2, he's telling us as we run the race to to look at Jesus. And then in verse 3, he's telling us as we run the race to think on Jesus. Uh, Verse 2 says, looking to Jesus. You could actually translate the idea of, of keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's really a good way of saying it. It's a present participle, and so the text is simply saying, as we move forward, we are to glue our eyes to Jesus. Don't be distracted. Just as when you got married, I got married on May the 27th, 1978, 33 plus years ago. Uh, I made a promise to Charlotte on that day, and that promise was something like this. Uh, Charlotte, listen, girl, I know there are a lot of beautiful, gifted, talented uh, women out there in the world, and there certainly is, but but I make a promise to you today, and that promise I also make to God, and and I make to our future children and grandchildren. I make it to these witnesses who are here today, and, and that promise is simply this. From this day forward and for the rest of my life, I promise I will have eyes only for you. And and I will keep my eyes glued to you in the same way. The Word of God says, as we run this race, just glue your eyes to Jesus. Why? Because He is the founder. He gets you in. The perfecter or the finisher, He completes the race of faith. And He is able to do so because for the joy that was set before Him. He endured a cross. He despised the shame of it. And drawing from Psalm 2 and Psalm 110, he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Eric Little saw a connection in the Christian life between keeping our eyes glued to Jesus and the wonderful Christian trait called humility. In fact, he said it this way, and I quote, Humility looks at its sins, but also looks beyond them to the Savior from sin and cast itself upon His mercy. Humility is powerful, for it is based on the sense of being absolutely dependent on the grace of God. And yet, he was also captivated not only by the humility that grows out of a life fixed upon Jesus, but he could not escape the fact that as you gaze upon the beauty of Christ Christ, Both his cross and his resurrection become dominant in your life. Again, I quote from his discipleship journal. Jesus is the son of God. The stupendous mystery of the cross is now to be revealed. The cross must be. No cross, no crown. The cross is where men saw revealed the magnitude of God's love and the awfulness of their own sin. Nor was that all, for there was the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. Forgiveness, O blessed word to those bowed down by the guilt of sin. The cross is not the end. There follows the victory of the resurrection. The resurrection has a meaning for life. It means the possibility of new life, here and now, a risen life, a new quality of being, life, eternal life. Christ has risen, new life, new joy, new hope. All of that is found in Christ. So as we run the race, we look to him. And as we run the race, we think about him. Verse 3, consider him. It's the only imperative in the text, as I mentioned earlier. It means to meditate upon. It means to think very carefully about. Meditate upon Christ. Why? Because he endured from sinners' hostility against himself. And as you draw strength from Christ, you may not grow weary. And you may not become faint-hearted. In other words, it is Christ who gets you in. It is Christ who gets you home. How did little, Eric Little's life end? Just before Pearl Harbor in 1941, uh, the Japanese were coming in and invading China and just ransacking the country. Uh, he saw what was going on, and so he arranged for his pregnant wife, whose name was Florence, and their two daughters to leave China. He had planned to follow them, but that would never happen. Sadly and tragically, Eric Little would die in China He never saw his third little girl. He would be placed in a Japanese internment camp in 1943, but between 41 and 43, he continued to be a faithful missionary. And even once placed in that internment camp, he became, as many said, the very heart and soul of inspiration for all who were in that camp, especially the children. In fact, David Mitchell, who was also a fellow missionary imprisoned there with Eric, described these as the conditions in which they found themselves for these several years, quote, The squalor of the open cesspools, rats, flies, and disease in the crowded camp. Life took on a normal routine, though without the faithful and cheerful support of Eric Little, many people would have never been able to manage. Once more, David Mitchell raises the question, what was the secret of this incredible man? Quote, he unreservedly committed his life to Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. That friendship meant everything to Eric. By the flickering light of a peanut oil lamp, early each morning, he and a roommate in the men's cramped dormitory studied the Bible and talked with God for more than an hour. As a Christian, Eric Little's desire was to know God more deeply and as a missionary, to make him known more fully. Eric Little died in a Japanese internment camp in China on February the 21st, 1945, just a few months before the end of World War II. As I mentioned earlier, he was was born in China, and he would also be buried in China. He had an inoperable brain tumor. They found that out as an autopsy was performed shortly after his death. Upon hearing that he had died, and by the way, he would have been dead and buried many months before Scotland and even his own wife would know. The nation would weep. In fact, the Scotland uh, paper, the Glasgow Evening News said, quote, Scotland has lost a son who did her proud every hour of his life. And contrary to what the movie said, you know, many of us who have seen the movie know kind of the one phrase that stands out, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. He never said that. That's a Hollywood creation. But he did say this. We are all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Jesus or we repel people from Jesus. What did people say about this man who knew him best? You know, you really want to know what someone's like. Uh, You don't ask people who see them from a distance, but you ask people who live with them up close and personal. Uh, As I close, just a couple of testimonies. David McGavin, who was the general secretary of the National Bible Society of of, of, of Scotland, quote, Eric Little was the most Christlike man I ever knew. Arnold Bryson, London Missionary Society, yesterday a man said to me, of all the men I have known, Eric Little was the one in whose character and life the spirit of Jesus Christ was preeminently manifested. What was the secret of his consecrated life and far-reaching influence? Absolute surrender to God's will as revealed in Jesus Christ. He was a God-controlled life. And he followed his Master and Lord with devotion that never flagged. D.P. Thompson, his close friend and first biographer, quote, Never in the years we worked together, in shadow or in sunshine, in times of testing and difficulty, in hours of exhilarating triumph, did I hear him say or know him to do anything of which I can imagine Christ would have been disappointed. He was the most consistent Christian character as well as one of the most attractive and winning of personalities of any man I have ever known. And perhaps the one that... uh, blesses me the most. An unknown prostitute from the city where Eric served, on one occasion she asked him to just simply come over to her home and put up a shelf for her, and she said, and I quote, he was the first man to do something for me without asking for a favor in return. His wife of only about 10 years said, I feel that Eric and I had as much happiness in our few short years together as many couples have in a whole lifetime. And I thank God for the privilege of being Eric's wife. I only hope the children will take after Eric and follow in their master's footsteps. And the the nurse that was with him when he died, Annie Buchan, simply said as he died, these words came out of his mouth, Ann, it's all surrender. It's all surrender. And with that, Eric Little lapsed into a coma and died just a few hours later. So what is the race that God is calling you to run today? What is the race that God's calling me to run today? What is the race God is calling this church to run today? I believe Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, give us the formula for how we can run this race well and how we can finish this race well. And as I close, I draw again from the words of Eric Little, who I think has a helpful word at this point as well, and I quote, Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God. When he left, he committed the church to the church the duty of carrying on that work. The church is now his voice in the world announcing the good news about God. Every individual in the church shares this responsibility. We are called to witness. The question is, are we doing it? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the powerful words of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 that tell us to lay aside every weight, to run with confidence and endurance the race, the, the personalized race you place before each of us. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we run the race, we are to glue our eyes to you and set our minds on you. And that if we do so, you as the often finisher of our faith, the champion of faith, will be faithful to get us to the finish line. Lord, I thank you that you used the life of Eric Little to inspire tens of thousands in how it is that we can run the race and I thank you Lord so much for the fact that though he was an incredible athlete a world champion uh, on this earth he was a champion in heaven as well because of his passionate love for the Lord Jesus his willingness to surrender all and pursue the victorious life as he day by day uh, followed the disciplines that enabled him to live for you in a way that really mesmerized all who saw him and knew him. Lord, I, I, I could not find a negative word said about Eric Little in all the biographies and all the letters and things that I read. And Lord, I know that's not true of me. But Lord, I can certainly be inspired by a man like Eric Little to live for as best I can with all of my heart, passion, and soul, the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, Lord, the key is what he found. It is Christ in me doing it. It is Christ and his gospel giving me the motivation and the strength and the power. It really is all about Jesus from beginning to end. And so, Lord, may we begin well with Jesus. May we run well with Jesus. And may we finish well for Jesus, knowing that from beginning to end, it really is all about him. This is our prayer. We make it in his name. Amen.